Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative and curious. I'm your host, Juan, and I'm delighted to have Genesis and Phoenix. Today, we'll be covering the picturesque. Thank you, Juan. So I'm going to get right straight into it. So in 1840, Nathaniel Willis, he wrote about the upstate New York landscape around Lake George. And he quotes that the mountains on the shore of the exquisite lake consist of two great ranges. Both of these ranges alternately approach the lake so as to constitute a concerto part of its shores and recede from it again to the distance, sometimes of two or three miles. The summits of these mountains are also are almost every figure of the arc to the bold bluff and sharp comb. There is a every variety of champs, crag, promontory, and a peak, which is a painter, which is what a painter would require for the noblest composition of a mountain scenery. So in all of this, of what I just quoted, we can see here that Willis seems to suggest in appealing to the later 18th and early 19th century notion of the picturant that the beauty here is such that any painter who faithfully represented the scenic landscape would create a beautiful picture. So the question is, is the beauty of such scenery due to its resembling or suggesting a beautiful picture or painting? So, like, in other words, is the beauty of such a scene something it has itself? Or does some of our satisfaction in looking at it come from the contribution of the viewer, who acts like an artist and actually composing a natural scene for viewing? But hold on, what do the chasm, crag, promontory, and peak mean in this context? Well, chasm is referring to a deep and narrow gorge or canyon. It usually results in the collapse of underground caves. A crag is a steep, rocky cliff normally found on mountains or hillsides. They usually have uneven surfaces and can vary in size as well. A promontory is a raised area of land that extends out into a body of water, like a sea or lake normally found by erosion that serve as landmarks across coastlines. A peak is the highest part of a mountain or hill. It represents the summit or topmost point of elevation sought out by hikers, mountaineers, and nature enthusiasts. Before we continue, let's talk about who Nathaniel Willis was. Nathaniel Willis was an American publisher and journalist who was born on September 20, 1780 in Boston, Massachusetts. He came from a family with a strong literary background. His father was a respected poet and publisher. In 1808, Willis founded the Boston Recorder, a newspaper focused on religious and moral news that gained popularity and became an important voice for the evangelical movement in New England, which later caused the Boston Recorder to become a respected and influential newspaper. He also made a lasting impact through his work as a publisher, journalist, and feminist playing an important role in shaping the newspaper industry in America and contributing to the religious and cultural landscape of his time. May his legacy continue. But going back to the Lake um, George area that Willis had mentioned, we know it was, an ups- it was in upstate New York and a picture destination known for its natural beauty, the outdoor creation and charming towns it consisted of, with, as well, a stunning lake surrounding mountains and array of activities, and it also has become a sought-after destination for nature lovers, adventure seekers, and families looking to enjoy the picturette. Also, talking about picturette, did you guys know that the notion of the picturette emerged in the late 18th and early 19th centuries as an aesthetic ideal and way of appreciating and representing natural landscapes? Because it originated in England as a recreation against the formal and ordered landscapes of that time and was closely 
associated with the Romantic movement. It emphasized the beauty found in irregular rustic and natural scenes. It celebrated the landscapes that um, exhibited a combination of ruggedness, variety, and harmony, which in all, it like sought to capture the, uni the unique and often untamed qualities of the natural world. The picturesque movement had a significant impact on various art forms, including painting, literature, and garden designs. Artists and writers sought to capture and portray the picturesque in their works, often emphasizing dramatic and rugged landscape ruins and scenes of pastoral beauty. This aesthetic also influenced the development and landscape gardening with landscape architects incorporating natural and irregular elements into their designs. Interesting. Which, speaking of landscapes, landscapes play many roles when it comes down to art, painting, printmaking, photography, and drawing. In art, a landscape refers to a representation of natural scenery, typically showcasing outdoor views of the physical world. It captures and portrays the visual aspects of the natural environment, such as mountains, rivers, and other elements of the land, sky, and water. In painting, artists create landscapes using various techniques and styles, employing brushes, pigments, and they range from realistic and detailed representation to more abstract or impressionistic interpretations. Printmaking also offers a medium for creating landscape imagery. Techniques such as etching, engraving, lithography, and woodcut can be used to transfer the image of a landscape onto a printable surface, which is then reproduced in multiple copies. Photography allows artists to capture landscapes using cameras and lenses. By composing and capturing scenes in nature, photographers can convey the beauty, mood, and character of a particular place. Drawing too can be used to create landscapes. Artists can use various drawing tools such as pencils, charcoal, or ink to create expressive representations of natural scenery. In all, landscape serves as a means of expression, allowing artists to convey their impressions of the natural world, recall emotions, explore the effects of light and color, and capture the essence and spirit of a place. But where exactly does the term picturette come from? So the term the picturette refers to an aesthetic ideal that emerged in the late 18th and 19th century, particularly in England. It emphasizes the beauty found in irregular rustic and natural scenes, celebrating landscapes that exhibit combination of ruggedness, variety, and harmony. As for its definitions in different languages, the term picture risk has been borrowed and used in various languages to convey a similar meaning. In many cases, the term retains its original English definition, referring to the concept of natural scenery that is visually appealing due to its picturesque qualities. However, it's worth noting that languages may have their own equivalent terms or phrases to describe the aesthetic ideals similar to the picturettes. These terms might have slightly different nouns or historical contexts, reflecting the specific cultural or artistic traditions of each language. For example, in French, the term picturette is used to describe the same concept, while in Germany, the malerisch serves as a similar purpose. While there may be some subtle differences in the interpretations and usage of the terms across languages, the core idea of the picturesque is an aesthetic appreciation of rustics and irregular landscapes generally remains consistent. Additionally, the concept of a picturette was popularized by influential figures such as William Gilpin and Uvilde Price. Gilpin, in his writings and travel leagues, defined the picturette as a composition that offered a pleasing variety, and combine elements of roughness, intricacy, and contrast. Price, in his book, An Essay on the Picturesque, further explored the concept, highlighting the importance 
of irregularity and asymmetry in a landscape design. The notion of a picturesque played a crucial role in shaping attitudes. You know, back in the later 18th and early 19th century, Thomas Cole, Frederick Church, and Usher Durand were all American landscape painters. Cole was basically considered one of the founders of the Hudson River School, a group of landscape painters known for their romantic and picturesque portrayals of the American wilderness. Cole's work often featured dramatic landscapes, lush forests, and sublime vistas. His iconic paintings, such as the Oxbow and the Curse of Empire series, captured the grandeur and awe-inspiring beauty of the American landscape. Church was also associated with the Hudson River School. He was known for his detailed and luminous depictions of the natural scenery. His work often showcased sweeping vistas, including landscape of North and South America, Europe, and the Middle East. Paintings by Church include the Heart of Andes and the Niagara. Asher Durand was an important figure in the Hudson River School. Durand's landscapes were characterized by the realistic and highly detailed style. His works often focused on the tranquil yet harmonious aspects of nature. Paintings by him include The Kindred Spirits, which depicts a meeting between Thomas Cole and poet William Cullen Bryant, and The First Harvest in the Wilderness. These three landscape painters demonstrate the American artistic movement of the time, capturing the beauty of the natural world. Juan, since you spoke about the American landscape painters, I kind of want to talk about French landscape painters from that same century that you mentioned. So I chose Claude Vernet, Jean Caroy, and Theodore Rochel. Vernet was known for his coastal and maritime scenes. He specialized in capturing the atmospheric effects of light and dramatic qualities of nature. His work often depicted seascapes, storms, and sunsets versus Correct, his works bridged the transition of neoclassical landscapes to the more expressive and naturalistic styles that emerged in the 19th century. Curry's painting often featured serene and poetic landscapes. He is known for his plein air studies and his use of soft and muted tones, but Rochot's works displayed a deep appreciation for the French countryside, particularly the forest of Fontainebleau, where he sought to convey the raw and untamed aspects of nature, often depicting rugged landscapes, dense forests, and also dramatic skies as well. These French landscape painters illustrated the shifting styles and approaches to landscape painting during the later 18th and early 19th centuries in France. They all contributed to the development of new techniques, they explored different artistic movements, and they all helped shape the understanding and appreciation of the natural world through their unique artistic visions that they had. Since we're talking about different landscape painters, I want to talk about Italian landscape painters Giovanni Canal, Gaspar Whittle, and Gardi. But before I mention Juan and Genesis, I want you guys to keep in mind the works of the painters you guys mentioned and how they relate to beauty, so we could talk about it afterwards. Okay. That's fine. That's great. All right, great. Anyways, back to what I was saying. 1697 through 1768. Canaletto works showcased a remarkable sense of perspective and attention to architectural and atmospheric details. Canaletto's paintings captured the charm of Venice, portraying its canals, palaces, and iconic landmarks. 1653 through 1736. Van Vitelli was highly regarded for his landscape and cityscape paintings. The works featured a sense of depth, atmospheric effects, and a clear eye for architectural accuracy. His paintings often showcased Rome's historic buildings, piazzas, and landscapes. 1712 through 1793. 
Guardi's paintings capture the vibrant and lively scenes of Venice, focusing on its canals, palaces, and festive occasions. His paintings conveyed a sense of movement and momentary nature of Venetian life. These Italian landscape painters contributed to the rich artistic heritage of Italy, capturing the beauty, atmosphere, and architectural splendor of their respective subjects. Through their skillful depictions, they conveyed the distinct character and cultural significance of Venice, Rome, and the Italian landscape. So guys, how are the works of landscape painters you chose related to beauty? You know, I would say that the American landscape painters of this period, Thomas Cole and Frederick Church, sought to capture the sublime beauty of the American wilderness. Their works are basically portrayed as vast and touched landscapes, with towering mountains and pristine lakes. These paintings aim to show a sense of awe and wonder of the moments of nature, emphasizing the beauty found in the raw and untamed wilderness. To be honest, for me, it would be that the French landscape painters were influenced by the Romantic mu movement, which embraced a more like subjective and emotive approach to beauty. Where like the how again how I mentioned the Jean Carrot often he looked to capture the ethereal and poetic qualities of nature. Their works often portrayed serene countryside scenes with the soft like muted tones and a focus on like capturing the most atmospheric lights of of light and shadow. The beauty in French landscapes it was like the most often found in harmony, tranquility, and also an emotional connection to the nature provided. I think that Italian landscape painters Canaletto, Van Vitelli, and Guardi celebrated the beauty of their city's architectural and natural landscapes. Their works often depicted the majestic buildings, grand canals, and iconic landmarks of cities like Venice and Rome. The beauty in Italian landscapes was found in the harmonious blend of architecture, waterways, and atmospheric effects. These artists aimed to capture the aesthetic appeal and historical significance of the urban landscapes they portrayed. Do y'all like think that from the works of the painters y'all said, any of them were like ugly? No, these paintings are actually very beautiful. I believe each of these paintings is completely beautiful. And not only because uh, they're completely very appealing to the senses, but because of the effort that each painter put into it. Let's take, for example, Thomas Cole. The way he did the clouds is just absolutely amazing, to be honest. And what about Frederick Church? That when he portrays the background, even though it's not as important as the foreground, like the amount of details he put into it is just like incredibly cool, to be honest. When I did a little bit of research on my painters for Claude Vernet, I chose two of them and one of her paintings was the shipwreck and I absolutely love it. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Like the detailing, the way you can see like the ships in the far back and the waves and the people just like on the sides but also like in panic as well i think it's absolutely gorgeous but then there's also the other work where vernet has which is a landscape at sunset i think it's the most plainest thing on planet earth i don't i wouldn't say it's ugly but i wouldn't say it's eye catching as the shipwreck work that vernet did for jean's work i chose the interrupted reading and uh, I think it's interesting. I wouldn't say it's like eye-catching or either ugly for the interrupted reading work that she has. I just think it's very like, mm, I would say like questioning. Like I'm, I want to, it makes me think like, why is she posing the way she is? Did someone piss her off? 
did something like just jump into her head. But then you look at the souvenir, the Morte Fontaine that she has, and I think that's absolutely like breathtaking. I think I can like go there and just like walk by there. It makes me feel like I can just go there and take a beautiful walk and just look without having to like look at my phone or something. But lastly, like moving on to Theodore Rochelle. Um both of the works that I like researched to look at, I noticed that he has like a very like similar ways when it comes to his work of like painting because I chose a river landscape and a landscape with boatmen and they're very similar. I don't want to say they're ugly, but they're not as like eye-catching as the as like I would say Carrot's and Vernet's work were. I think they're pretty much the same thing, but a little bit of things change. So, would you guys say that ugly landscapes exist? The concept of an ugly landscape is subjective and dependent on personal perception. What one person considers ugly, another might find beautiful and intriguing. Individuals have diverse tastes and preferences when it comes to landscapes. Totally. Landscapes can be influenced by various factors that can shape their appearance. A landscape basically may be considered unattractive based on specific standard like pollution, destruction, or just like a lack of aesthetic appeal. Though that is all true, you have to keep in mind that even landscapes may be seen as less beautiful and they can still possess their like own unique characters, values, and also um, historical significance. Some landscapes may be appreciated for their rawness or ability to show contemplation and reflection. So I think I can speak for all and conclude that the perception of landscape is subjective and what may be considered ugly to one person could be seen as fascinating or meaningful to another. Now that we have covered everything, and I think all of you guys can agree that we have a better understanding of what we were trying to say, I want to requote what Nathaniel Willis says, and then see if we can answer the question that we had in the beginning. So the mountains on the shore of this exquisite lake consist of two great ranges. Both these ranges alternately approach the lake, so as it constitute a considerable part of its shores and recede from it again to the, dist- to the distance sometimes of two or three miles. The summits of these mountains are almost every figure from the arc to the bold, the bluff, and sharp cone. There is a, a very variety of chasm, crag, promontory, and peak, which is a painter would require for the noblest composition of the mountain scenery. So, to conclude your question in the beginning of the podcast, which was, is the beauty of such scenes something it has itself? Or does some of her satisfaction looking at it come from the contribution of the viewer, who acts like an artist in actually composing a natural scene for viewing? I think from everything we mentioned today, we can all agree that the scene, the scene definitely does have beauty within itself, and also the fulfillment the viewer gets as well adds onto the satisfaction and beauty we get from the scene. So, if you guys don't have any questions, I think we can wrap this up. For right now, I don't think I have any questions. I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. This concludes the Exploring Art podcast. Please subscribe to Exploring Art on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Thank you for listening and please join us soon. And remember guys, stay curious.